Welcome to episode six of the Full English with me, Pam McLaughlin. In this episode, I'm joined by guests from Pearson and Penguin Random House UK. We discuss the importance of a diverse English literature curriculum and talk about how Pearson has teamed up with Penguin to work with them on their Lit in Colour programme to support schools to make the teaching and learning of English literature more inclusive. So could you be one of the 100 secondary schools to join the Lit in Colour Pioneers programme? If so, you'll receive copies of the chosen GCSE set texts for every student in the relevant year group and you'll get a programme of work and series of free resources, including CPD training webinars for teachers and school librarians. So have a listen and find out how you can apply to join this exciting programme and become a Lit in Colour pioneer. Well, today is a first for this podcast, as I have not just one guest, not two guests, but three guests, which is very exciting. And this episode is about inclusion and diversifying the English curriculum. So those of you who attended our diversity in Lit conference in November 2019, oh, those are the days when you could go to an event and you'd have a fantastic atmosphere. We had lots of students, teachers, amazing guests, and it was inspiring. So yeah, that was our first diversity conference. Then we had our second one, which was remote in July last year, which was really, really good as well still inspiring but the point is you'll know how passionate we are about diversity and inclusion and recently Pearson joined up with Penguin to work with them on their Lit in Colour programme to create something really special for schools. All will be revealed later but let's get started with introductions. So I have with me today Katie Lewis who is Head of English, Drama and Languages at Pearson um, Zahida Nabagareka, the Lit in Colour Programme Manager for Penguin and the Runnymede Trust, and Suha Yassin, who is the Diversity and Inclusion Lead at Pearson UK. So hi all, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Hi Pam. Hello. Hi, uh, great to be here. Good, great to have you. So the start of, start, first, let's start off with, I want to ask you each to share a memory from your own school days. So if I can ask you to start, start with you, Katie, what's your memory, please? I had, I had a, a good think about it and I was just kind of trying to think what was something that really sort of still stood out with me um, many years after I'm no longer <laughs> at school. And the, the, the two things that sprung to mind were, um, we moved to England um, when I was nine from um, from South Wales and I moved to a small sort of town uh, just outside of Reading and going to a new school obviously is very kind of nerve-wracking and I had quite a kind of strong South Wales accent at that time as you can imagine just having kind of moved there and the kind of surprise and uh, like amazement on the kind of uh, faces of the other children who had never heard anyone talking with uh, a, a South Wales accent before in the classroom. And um, you j just that kind of feeling really kind of out on a limb and not sort of part of the rest of the rest of the kids at the school. And they, you know what, children can be quite, um, quite mean, can't they? And all sort of, you know, teasing and asking you to say words because they knew that the word that you were going to say wasn't the same as the word that they were yeah, going to say. Yeah. And I used to uh, go to school in the mornings. My mum would, would drop me off on her way to work and then I'd wait until she'd gone and then I'd run away 
and um Aww. and hide <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> rather, rather than having to go into school so that was the kind of first the first kind of thing that that came to mind but not to be kind of like maudlin or miserable about it but just because i i suppose that what you know 35 years later that's still something that I, I kind of remember. Um, and then I just had like a second kind of memory then of when I was um, at secondary school doing my GCSE English literature. And we, at that time, there was quite a, a heavy coursework component to English literature. And we were allowed to choose whatever books we wanted. So that was the very, the very, very first time that the teacher had just said, anything you're interested, anything that you want to do, anything that's kind of inspiring to you, you can pick whatever you want oh that's great and yeah that was brilliant that was the first time where I thought you know what I was doing was genuinely kind of interesting and inspiring to me so th those are my two memories brilliant thank you Zahida what, what is your memory from school uh I suppose my memory from school I'm kind of going to keep it in line with 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 studying and GCSEs yeah that's and fine perfect <laughs> <laughs> my memory is really when I kind of started to fall in love with Shakespeare and that happened um, when I watched in class Baz Luhrmann's oh. Romeo and Juliet with Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio, James. Yeah. yeah, I was just so amazed at how vibrant it was, the characters, it was set in present day, and, you know, the diversity of the characters as well. You know, Makusha is black. Yeah, exactly. And mm. to me, that really, really stuck out. And I remember I did my the oral part of my GCSE on, on this. And I got a really high mark and I was so proud of myself. And I went and bought the soundtrack. I bought the DVD. I watched it over and over again. And that's when I kind of, yeah, really started to just fall in love with Shakespeare and, and think a bit more deeply kind of about the meaning behind the words. So that film was really important to me. Oh, that's really good. I mean, I was a teacher for 14 years or whatever it was. And one of the things we always used to show was that video. And as you say, the students, they used to engage. They loved it. So that's really nice to hear how much, you know, the impact it had on you and how you enjoyed it. Yeah, really good. Suha, your turn, please. I think we're all going with a similar sort of yeah. thing here, which is great. Um, this is actually one of those kind of memories similar to Katie that stuck with me over the years. Um, and it wasn't the first time I think I experienced bias, but certainly the first time I think I felt it quite heavy. Um, you know, one of the core values I was raised with since I was young was that, you know, you work hard, you reap the rewards, you get out whatever you put in. So I'd never really considered that someone else would decide that there would be a kind of glass ceiling to what I could go on and achieve. Mm. And uh, I immigrated to the UK um, with my family as a refugee at the age of four. And I spoke, you know, Arabic and an Eritrean dialect called Tigret as well. Um, but, you know, just to a standard to any four year old, and I'd only been in the education setting for a few months before moving to the UK. So for me, I've always considered English to be my main language. It's how I communicate with my daughter now. And although, you know, we are trying to teach her our heritage languages. So I remember starting school in uh, secondary school in year seven and getting a C on my first English assignment. Um, and I was absolutely devastated after speaking to my teacher. And I never forget what she said to me at the time. Um, she told me that that would be the kind of highest possible grade that I would achieve at GCSE wow. because English mm. wasn't my first language. Now, that oh. was many, many years ago. That gives and I don't me goosebumps. Mean, I know. Terrible, and I yeah. don't mean, yeah. And I don't mean, you know, any criticism of my teacher at no. the time who I still hold really dearly. 
but to tell an 11 year old child you know no matter how hard they tried in the next five years in this subject that they wouldn't be able to achieve a higher grade that's beyond um, demoralizing and in many ways I think you know it might have motivated me to to, to prove her wrong but in other ways you kind of become disengaged with that subject and if I'm to be honest I look back I probably think I didn't try try as hard or enjoy English as much as I did science and maths for example Um, and I ended up you know going down that trajectory and that's of course not just to do with what the teacher has said Mm. but also my own reflections Um, but and that's why I'm 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 really passionate about kind of literacy and reading especially for young children Um, and I'm grateful that actually today we have the evidence and data that shows you know where students who have English as an additional language you know they join school early enough that they actually outperform their peers so that's what I was going to say amazing yeah and no one can hopefully turn around and say something like that to my daughter today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because I know as a teacher myself, I taught many children who had, you know, um, who's they spoke a different language at home. And often they would excel because, like you say, when you're in the school system, you know, and you're younger, you pick things up really quickly anyway, different languages, don't you? Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. And yeah. And uh, yeah, that was the 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 thing for me, which I think Wow. I, I sometimes kind of remember and reflect, but you know I've also learned a lot of a lot from that and that you can't really let someone else you know you know tell you how how much you 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 can achieve and you can prove you can go on and prove them wrong um but it is as a young child you're very your your kind of character and your brain is very malleable and influence easily influenced and I think that's something we've got to think about really when we think about young children and education Thank you so much for sharing those memories. I'm going to ask um, Zahida first. Let's talk about um, this fantastic Lit in Colour programme. I mean, you know, when you go on the website, Lit in Colour, it says supporting inclusive reading in schools, which I think is fantastic. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about it and how it came about? Yeah, sure. So Lit in Colour is a campaign um, basically between Penguin Random House and the Runnymede Trust to better understand and support the more inclusive reading um, and teaching of literature in schools. Now, the first part of Lit in Colour is all about research. So we're hoping that this research is going to be published in June. And again, it's to better understand the barriers that teachers currently face and so that we can know what we can do to support real change being made in the classroom. So things around resources, things around access to text, but also understanding um, kind of the social context of some of the literature that we're teaching and why it's important that that we reflect the diversity of the UK Mm. in classrooms but um this campaign actually came around because of some research that was done prior to 2019 I believe in the summer it was with one of um, Penguin Random House's imprints Murky Books and it was really just trying to understand the relationship that young people have with books and reading and one of the things that that research highlighted was that many of the books that young people study in schools are actively turning them off literature as a subject Um, so this is obviously really concerning and we need to make changes for the future so that's kind of what Lit in Colour is all about doing. That's fantastic and I think it's as you say the research that's going to be fascinating to see the results of that but I just think that for myself as a teacher you know when you're in school teaching some of the texts you just feel that they aren't for everybody and everybody's different in that respect and 
the fact about so many students who have never seen themselves in a text that's the other thing isn't it you need to read texts that you can relate to in terms of content you know your own identity so yeah interesting um so Katie can I just ask you then going on from that and talking about the uh, overview of lit in colour can you tell us what is the current situation at the moment regarding English GCSE and A-level curriculums and literature as such? Yeah so <clears throat> one of the realisations I think over the past few years is the what should be, I suppose, kind of obvious, but I think it's taken a little bit of time to, to, to sort of sink in, is that we all know that what's included on GCSE, Key Stage 4 and um, A-Level Key Stage 5 curriculums really filters down to the content that's taught throughout the rest of a learner's um, school journey. So however much there may be a little bit more freedom and flexibility around key stage three for example um all of the kind of um related pressures within a school around gcc outcomes performance measures you know achieving target grades etc really make the gcse content such a strong driver of anything that's going to happen lower down the school mm. so the lack of range I suppose in the sort of text types and um, uh, different authors different perspectives in that GCSE curriculum can not only have an impact on what learners study at GCSE and as Zahida has said that can sometimes be a little bit even kind of off-putting mm. to learners you know um, a bit dry maybe then it also has a, an impact all throughout the all throughout the, the school experience so I'm sure everybody knows by now that in um, 2015, the new GCSE and A-level literature um, qualifications were launched. And they are obviously based upon um, Department for Education subject criteria. And they kind of set out what the content has to be and, you know, what, what, the, um, what the, the students need to focus on. And those 2015 criteria require one play by Shakespeare. Um, a uh, 19th century novel, um, poetry from um, not seven, 1789 onwards. I bet you know that date better than me, Pam, but representative yeah. romantic poetry from 1789 onwards. And one um, play or prose text from uh, 1914 onwards. Um, and that has to come from a writer on, from the British Isles. So those um, criteria, mm. quite um, historical, quite canonical in focus, very British in focus. So that was really the move away from the previous criteria, which specifically looked at and required um, different cultures and traditions as one of the um, as one of the text types that had to be on there. So that's where you would find your Of Mice and Men, that's where you would find um, your Killer Mockingbird, um, but those were no longer permitted in the new criteria. Yeah. What that kind of generates then is a set of qualifications which follow the, the nature. It, it's almost a sense of there's the kind of the rule of the criteria and then there's the kind of nature and, and kind of um, feeling of the criteria, you know. So, yes, everyone has to have Shakespeare, but there's also that sense that the, that the direction of travel for literature is quite old old-fashioned I suppose yeah. and um, historically focused 
So that's how come you end up in a situation where the majority of awarding organizations um, do not have within those categories of text um, examples of text by writers of color, um, partly because the opportunities for including a more diverse range of text are not very broad. Exactly, it's also, narrowed down, yeah. Exactly that, but also because where those options are available, so British literature post-1914, yeah. for example, they were not taken advantage of. So I think there's only one, well, I know that there's only one awarding organisation with um, more than 20, 25% of its writers included on GCSE literature from writers of colour, and that's the Pearson Edexcel specification. Yeah. And there are yeah. routes through GCSE English literature that learners can take where they don't study any works by any writers of colour at all throughout that um, throughout that two year period. Um, so that's just a little bit of the of the context into which something really amazing like the Lit in Colour campaign that Penguin Runnymede yeah. um, launched. That's the kind of context into which that campaign is kind of bursting, bursting in and, and trying to kind of effect positive change. Well, can I just um ask you on on the things you've just talked about what is the impact we think and what are the issues of the situation that you've just outlined there there's plenty of evidence and research to say that learners young people um learning in the i'm going to talk about the english um system obviously because we have devolved education systems but lots of yeah. learners lots of learners report that they feel disengaged from the books that are put in front of them in their current curriculum that yeah. they don't feel they don't feel reflected or represented um, there is um, quite a lot of um, of work that's been done with younger readers so for example there was a study that I, I read I forget when it was now a few a few years ago when young children in schools were asked to write stories where there was a kind of main protagonist, where that protagonist had any identifying kind of characteristics whereby you could tell if um, you could tell the race of that character, then in something like the high 90% of cases, that character was a white character, even if the learner who was writing that story was not themselves a white child. And it's yeah. that sense that who is literature for, mm. who is it by, and who is it about? And if we have that single sense that literature is by white people, for white people, and about white people, then you are narrowing down that sense of inclusion and involvement in such a huge part of the way in which we learn empathy, the way in which we learn different experiences, the way in which we open up the world of possibilities to children by allowing them to see themselves in all of these different circumstances, all of these different contexts, before they're actually ever able to go out and do those things in real life, they get the sense that all of those opportunities are open to them because they see it reflected in the books that they read. Well, so it's funny. One of those reasons. I was just going to say one thing, and that's it's funny because it reminds me of when we had Benny Cara as a guest 
on on the podcast. I think actually she's working with Penguin on this program as well, um, Zahida. I'm pretty sure she is. But she was saying about how it's like there's a window and you're only looking out of one window. You know, mm. you've got a building with lots of windows and you're just looking out of one window and you can only see one view instead of seeing, you know, many views and many windows, which is a metaphor, obviously. But you know what I'm trying to say. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. You're right. And I think just picking up on something Katie was saying about context, you know, context is so important, not just when we're kind of thinking about, you know, historical text, but when we're thinking about present day. Mm. And I think there's been, um, you know, a, a deliberate, maybe unconscious or, or consciously, to not think about how Britain, you know, got to, to where it is now. Yeah. We are a multicultural country. There are lots of different stories that, that can be included in how we got this way. But if they're not told, then actually you end up with people that don't necessarily know the history of their own country. Yeah. And I think literature is such a fantastic tool to kind of teach people things without necessarily having that really heavy judgment that I think sometimes falls on, on the subject of history, for instance. But I think literature is fantastic because you can teach people critical thinking, you can teach people empathy, you can really mm -hmm. get inside stories and make people think about, well, why did this character do this? Do I actually agree? And have such brilliant discussions mm. in class that we're not, I don't think we're doing justice to our students. You know, I went through my whole GCSE A-levels, loving literature, absolutely loving it. It yeah. wasn't until I got to university where I took um, African literatures that I realised, wow, so literature isn't just written by white people in English. Right, yeah. Actually, literature is across forms, it's across languages, and there's so much to learn. And I, the thing that makes me really excited about Lit in Colour and, and the Pearson um, Pioneers programme is that it's hopefully going to be giving students that ambition to keep reading, to not kind of think that this is all it is, to keep reading and keep questioning things. Um, yeah, and hopefully that'll be, you know, a lifelong love. So it's about engaging students, isn't it, as you say, and setting them off on that mm. path where they do have a lifelong love of reading. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Pam, to add to that as well, mm -hmm. we're about to uh, release our kind of inclusive education report. And part of that we surveyed about, I think it was about a thousand teachers last year and then in 2019 and about 40% of those teachers kind of disagreed with the statement that the education system provides the best outcomes for all students mm. and I know there are a lot of factors that impact pupil outcomes but we know through a lot of the evidence and some of the things Katie was talking about was that not being able to see yourself reflected mm. uh, or your context reflected in what you learn or seeing kind of repeated negative portrayals of yourself can really act as a significant barrier to learning and there's even a bit of research I think it's by um, National Education Union which found that pupils who have a sense of belonging in schools in their kind of education environment they tend to perform better academically but they're also kind of tend to be happier and more confident young learners as well so well, that's interesting it mm. really is yeah it really is so important in terms of how students feel how how well they do um, and that kind of representation and that's why you know representation matters and people seeing themselves reflected is important um, and, and I think English literature, as Zahida was saying, is such a, a wonderful way to do that through kind of, yeah, different uh, different stories and narratives and perspectives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. And I mean, when, going back to what I alluded to at the beginning of the of the episode where we mentioned about schools and Penguin and what's going on with Penguin and Pearson, um, it's the Lit in Colour 
Pioneers programme. So what are we hoping to achieve with this? And do you want to just who wants to tell us a bit more about this? So maybe I can tell you a bit about it Brilliant, um, and yeah. then I can pass over to Katie um, to talk about what we're hoping to achieve. Um, so basically the Lit in Colour Pioneers programme is a pilot programme and it's offering 100 schools across the UK the chance um, to basically be part of this change. We're going to be offering schools um, continuous um, professional development training webinars for teachers and school librarians. We're also going to be offering qualification support and other training where required. We're going to be offering schools a lit in colour mini library, including 300 free um, penguin books by black, Asian and minority ethnic writers designed for all age groups, thinking about different kinds of themes to really hopefully support reading in the curriculum, but then also offer that reading for pleasure as well. We're also going to be providing schools with an ambassador programme to get schools thinking more about how they can engage kids with what they're reading um, and kind of make it relevant to their identity and, and extracurricular activities that they can do around reading. Um, so this is a really exciting campaign. We're really excited to be launching it and working with schools on this. And it's coming at a time when we know that this is needed. Lots yeah. and lots of people are talking about the curriculum right now. Lots of people want help and finding out, you know, where to find the books. So this is a really key part of the overall Lit in Colour um, campaign as it's giving that practical help and support um, to teachers and, and schools. Can I just say as well, when you were talking about it, I think the fact also that, you know, there's something in there for the librarians go things going into the library i just think it's such such an amazing such an amazing program i really really like it i think it's really good yeah and definitely. hopefully it's also going to be giving students you know access to authors because that's something that can also be so inspiring when you can actually see you know a real live author ask oh, them yes. about why they wrote this book why they wrote this character this way oh I hated this character why did you do this you know having that face-to-face -face contact mm. it's really important and inspiring and I think particularly for writers of colour who haven't been as visible to actually have that face-to-face -face time with teachers and students it's it can make a huge amount of difference and we're really excited to be to be doing it. Well, we've just talked about how powerful memories are from school. So to have this, you know, to be able to do this and give this access to students, that is going to be, you know, starting from when they're younger and up until the teenager, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. Katie, did you want to say anything about the hoping to achieve of this programme? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that really resonated with me about the Lit in Colour programme more broadly when, when I learned about what um, Penguin Random House and Running Mead were hoping to do is that they were really looking to not just add more content onto a curriculum yeah. but to really put all of the to really kind of try and identify what all of the barriers could be that might prevent a school um, from adopting a more diverse curriculum mm. so in um, and I think we had arrived at that same point in, in our thinking, yeah. um, because having added more content onto GCSE English Literature back in 2018, 2019, what we realised, which in retrospect, we've, I wish I had realised sooner, but I guess better late than never, is that there were so many, there are so many additional challenges to making a more diverse choice even when the will is there mm. so you know things like 
cost barriers. That's so, right. Yeah. Know, have, having to re re resource your entire um, key stage four cohort. Well, the Lit in Color program will provide the texts for that cohort free of charge. So let's yeah, get brilliant. that barrier out of the way. You know, lack of familiarity. So you know. We all know how challenging and difficult it is to, you know, how how time poor teachers are, how much pressure there is to to achieve for, for you know, performance measures, etc. If you know where you are with the text, if you've taught it a dozen times, you've got all of the stuff in the cupboard, you know what you need to do to get Definitely, your kids yeah. through that text. You know what I mean? Like, I know what mm -hmm. a grade four looks like when I teach um, and inspect calls and I know what I'm going to have to do then taking that leap of faith to, to do that with something different well okay let's get exemplars for all these texts let's get themes of work let's get pre-recorded lessons let's get teaching content let's get collaboration with the writers of those texts where we can really kind of bring bring the text to life okay well let's take that problem away yeah so those risks um, are sort of you might have risk you might feel it's risky if you're a teacher that's gone then hasn't it because everything is there to help you to put support you yeah, to ensure totally. that you do get the best out of your students yeah exactly for your students. and that's really what the lit in colors pioneers program as part of the wider lit in color program is, is looking to do so taking these hundred centers and really trying to identify and overcome what the barriers might be and then providing that really ongoing support over the full two years of the delivery of those texts. So starting teaching your new content in September 2021, all the way through to your first assessment of that content in summer of 2023, being supported through PD, through workshops, through resources, et cetera, that entire time. But also the other part of that is to then engage with and analyse the impact that that experience is having on the teachers and the learners who are following a more diverse programme. How are they feeling about the other content that they're covering in their course? Is it opening up, as to use your metaphor, Pam, if I may feel it, opening up different windows? And then are they being able to look through those and apply some of that wider perspective to their Dickens? You know, if, for example, they are deciding to go with the empress for example as a as a drama text which has lots and lots of you know really interesting context around victorian britain is that something that they can then apply onto the 19th century literature that they're studying so we're really really hoping to draw out from the pioneers program some kind of evidence base and additional kind of content and support so that ultimately everyone feels confident that this is the direction that they can take their English literature curriculum in. And so when is it actually starting? I mean, I know it's been launched, but what's the timeline on it? So we've launched an early registration of interest. So we've already had amazing uptake and kind of um, and, uh, and um, reaction to that early registration of interest. The actual programme application window is opening on the 1st of March and it's running from the 1st of March through to the 31st of March so right up until the beginning of um, the Easter holidays so during that time um, centres can apply to be one of the schools that's part of the programme um, we are asking for applications because partly we want to try and have as representative a selection of schools from across England as we can. So we want to have geographical representation, we want to have centre type representation. Yeah. You know, we don't want to kind of 
limit the um, the evidence and the analysis that we can draw out of the programme to a particular part of the country or a particular type of school, for example. So we're opening that application window via the um, Sitting Colour Pioneers programme section of the Pearson website from the 1st of March. Um, and then we'll be making selections over the Easter holidays and notifying centres that they have been selected um, just after the Easter holidays. Now, there's also a launch event where um, anybody who's interested can find out more information, ask questions, get a sense of what some of the really exciting elements of the programme will be. And that's going to be on the 17th of March and people can register for that event. It's a free event, obviously, um, via the training pages of the Pearson website. And then I guess I should probably say that even if you're not selected, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're just going to say, oh, well, never mind. Yeah. Um, you're on your own. So all of the amazing things that Zahida mentioned, which are going to be accessible to the Lit in Colour Pioneers programme um, centres, a proportion of that is also going to be available to everyone. So everyone will be everyone will be welcome to come to our online PD and workshops. Everybody will be welcome to access the oh, um, great. free mm. resources that we've produced to support the texts. So nobody will be left entirely on their own, even if they don't become part of the Pioneers programme in this first run through. That sounds great. Yes, yeah. really exciting, isn't it? And as you say, there's a lot of schools have already signed up for it, haven't they? Yeah, They're, yeah, hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> really? Wow, that's yeah. brilliant. Mm. As you were saying, as I heard it earlier, it's kind of like just the start of it, isn't it? It's not going to be, that's it. This is just this one event. The Lit in Colour is going to be an ongoing programme, I believe. Is that right? Yes, yes, it is. And um, already on the Lit in Colour website, um, we've published two free resources to support English language GCSE learners um, on two texts by writers of colour, one by Avni Doshi, which is called Burnt Sugar, and then one by C.L.R. Oh, James called Minty Alley. Mm. Yeah, so we are in really the process good. of creating more resources for Key Stage 2, 3 and 4. And initially, you know, this is the start of a really important conversation. You know, there are over 24,000 schools in the UK and over eight. 0.9 million school students. This isn't something that's going to get solved overnight, but it's so important that people are interested and in wanting to talk about it, you know, especially with everything that's happened in the last, you know, 18 months. Yes, this is the perfect time. Definitely. I think it's really powerful as well that we've got, you know, Pearson working with Penguin and then there's a Running Me Trust. And it's just, you know, the ability to, like you say, as Pearson has the access, you know, to schools as well, working with them all the time. Yeah, it's just really great. Really, really excited about it. Um, Suha, we just wanted to talk about the wider role that you have at Pearson in terms of improving equality, diversity and inclusion. I just wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about that because it kind of all links together, doesn't it? Sure. There's so much happening at the moment across Pearson. As you know, kind of Pearson's a huge organisation and we operate in over 70 countries worldwide. But we definitely are strengthening our kind of commitment to diversity, equity and inclusion to make sure not only that we play our role, but it's actually fundamental to who we are as an organisation. We have a strong commitment into ensuring our products and services are diverse and inclusive. Um, and an example of that, I guess, that's what I was going to say. My yeah, role. If you could give yeah. an example, that'd be great. Yeah, example of that is the kind of creation of my role um, with focusing on that. So one of the things Pearson's been doing over the last couple of years is the kind of creation of content guidelines and checklists that our teams can use um, 
writers and authors that we work with, examiners can use when they're developing content with us um, and they're contributing to any content. And these guidelines have, you know, guidelines around text, around images, Brilliant. around choices. Um, and they're fantastic. Last year, we we published the gender equality guidelines and that was together with the Fawcett Society. Uh, we also have the LGBT um, curriculum together with Stonewall um, and very soon we're also going to hopefully be publishing our race and ethnicity guidelines uh, that we've uh, that we've developed following uh, the kind of events of, of, of last summer. So there's lots there for our teams and now we'll be hopefully working more closely with the teams, authors, etc., to to make sure that we're implementing those guidelines, that students, you know, there is, you know, representation and we're addressing the kind of key challenges around underrepresentation, around stereotyping, in particular kind of negative stereotyping and problem frames. And we're, we're really creating materials that students can be, you know, feel not only f see themselves represented, but kind of feel inspired and engaged to learn. Um, and of course, I think, you know, one of the greatest examples is the, is the wonderful work the English team have been doing in collaboration with Zahida and as part of Lit in Colour. It's just fantastic to see this Pioneers programme launching. And I think, as you said earlier, you know, hopefully this will be creating really positive memories and really positive engagement uh, with not just English literature as a subject, but just generally in terms of students feeling representative, feeling seen and that sense of belonging that can helpfully kind of, you know, push them um, uh, upwards uh, to, to kind of achieve great things in the future. And as you were saying about the English team, just mention that while we're there, um, the new <laughs> text that we've added. I mean, we've had such amazing feedback, haven't we, from Katie, from some of the schools who've already started teaching those texts. The, the reaction has been absolutely brilliant. And I think that... Um, Although that in and of itself is a great positive step forward, um, the Lit in Colour Pioneers programme for both GCSE and A-level literature actually, um, is really trying to take kind of positivity and um, something which is, oh, what a lovely change, but actually put all of our sort of efforts and resource and money where our mouth is on that particular yeah. issue, because it's one thing to include texts, but it's a that in and I say it's one thing, it's a really, really important thing and something which, you know, needs to be done more and more broadly across all curriculum. Yeah. But it is only the first step. And mm -hmm. actually the real kind of challenge and the real hard work comes in all of the activity around embedding those texts into the just business as usual, normal, in inverted commas. Like if you could see me, you'd see I was doing bunny ears. I can you know, visualise that, yeah. <laughs> just embedding that into normal classroom practice so that it's not an addition or something extra that has to be added. It's just standard, everyday, business as usual activity so that in one, two, three, four, ten years from now, the list of authors, when we think about the literary canon, and when we think about who the writers of English literature are, that list of names that springs to mind is a much wider and broader list, not just in terms of writers of colour, but in some of those other aspects which um, Suha mentioned around um, women writers, LGBTQ plus yeah. writers. Um, 
so that when people are looking for a canonical English literature qualification in the future, that concept of what canonical means has changed and that sort of paradigm has shifted forward. So we think this is, you know, one small step in the beginning of hopefully something much more powerful and much more impactful. The Lit in Colour Pioneers programme is amazing. Anybody want to add anything else there about it before we end? Just really excited and I think hopefully this is the first sign of things to come, you know, the innovation, the partnership and that, yeah, hopefully this is a continue that's going to continue <laughs> a conversation that's going yeah. to continue for a long yeah, time. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I'm sure it will, mm. definitely. Katie? Um, just to um, encourage anybody who is interested at yeah. Key Stage 4 or Key Stage 5, um, I encourage everybody to, to, um, to apply. Um, and even if you are not able to apply at this at this stage, or even if you apply and you're not necessarily successful at this stage, really encourage people to engage with the resources and the materials that are out there. And um, just, you know, one or two relatively small changes, I think, could make a really significant and yeah. impactful, an impactful difference. And I think the event online is going to be brilliant. So that would be good to sort of get everybody inspired even more than they might be at the moment. And so brilliant. OK, so Zahid, where can people, is there an email or somewhere they can contact uh, Penguin about this? Yeah, so we have a dedicated um, web page um, where people can find out more information about the campaign. But we've also got an email address, which people are very welcome um, to join. Sorry, to email litincolour at penguinrandomhouse.co.uk. And from the website, you can join the mailing list. Brilliant. OK, perfect. And with regard to if you have anything you want to contact us about, you know, regarding to this podcast or anything, you've got the usual email address, which is the full English at Pearson.com. And don't forget to go to those uh, website pages on Pearson and Penguin where you can read even more about the Lit in Colour programme. So that's it. So thank you so much for joining me today, everybody. It's been really interesting. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pam. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank Thanks you, Pam. You're welcome. Bye.